to turn back to John chapter 4. I've entitled the message for this morning, He Must Needs Go Through Samaria. The text is verse 4 of John chapter 4, and He Must Needs Go Through Samaria. It was absolutely binding upon Him to go through Samaria. It was necessary for him to go through Samaria. Going through Samaria was the shortest route from Judea to Galilee. But a good Jew would avoid that route in order to avoid Samaria and the Samaritans. You remember what this woman said to the Lord in verse 9 of this chapter. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. But the text does not say he went through Samaria to get to Galilee, does it? It says he must needs go through Samaria. It was binding upon him. It was absolutely necessary for him to go through Samaria. Now, there were were other ways to get to Galilee. This didn't mean he had to go through Samaria in order to get there. But it does say he must needs go through Samaria. And it is my prayer that he must needs go through Lexington. And that he must needs go through the Todd's Road Grace Church, and that he must needs go to Todd Nybert. And I pray that's the prayer of everybody in this room. Oh, how I need him to come to me. I want to come to him. I need him to come to me. He must needs go through Samaria. Why this language? Do you remember his first recorded words? Said to his parents at 12 years of age. This is the only glimpse we're given of his youth. And his parents had left him in Jerusalem thinking he was in the crowd. And then they find that he's not with them. And his mother says, Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And here's his reply. How is it that you sought me? 
Wist ye not, didn't you know, that I must be? It's absolutely binding to me to be about my father's business. The only reason the Son of God must do anything is he must do his Father's will. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. It's absolutely binding upon me to work the works of him that sent me. He said in John chapter 6, verse 38, I came down from heaven. What if I said that to you? I came down from heaven. You'd say, you're crazy. You're crazy. You didn't come down from heaven. You're saying your original existence was in heaven. He said that. I came down from heaven. Not to do my own will. But the will of him that sent me. And this is the father's will which has sent me. That of all which he hath given me. I should lose nothing. Before we proceed, who is this one of whom it is said he must needs go through Samaria? Who is the one represented by the pronoun he? He. He must needs go through Samaria. This is the greatest question you and I will ever face. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? This is the greatest question you and I will ever face. Who is Jesus Christ? This was is and always will be the issue. Who is Jesus Christ? When that's answered, everything else is answered. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, let me give you the answer. And I'm going to answer it from the scriptures. Jesus of Nazareth is God. God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God as a distinct person, the second person of the Trinity, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God. I love saying that. We read in Isaiah 9 6, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince 
of peace. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead in a body. How mysterious. How glorious. Jesus Christ is the creator. Jesus Christ is your creator. Jesus Christ is God. I want you to look at this passage with me in Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 3, or verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God. You know, this is the only book in the Bible that begins with this word. God. Who at sundry times and in different manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days... Now, these last days are all the days between the first and second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're the last days. Is it the last of the last days? I don't know. I hope so, but I don't know. And the Lord said, no man knows the day or the hour. Uh, When someone makes some kind of prediction, the Lord's going to come at this time, it's foolish. The scripture gives no uh, recognition of anything like that, but these are the last days. You know, we read in that psalm that Steve read, my days are as a handbreadth. I don't have long. You don't have long. He hath in these last days spoken unto us by son, whom he hath appointed heir Of all things, the Lord Jesus Christ owns everything. By whom also he made the worlds. Jesus Christ is the creator. He's the one who said, let there be light. And there was light. He's the one who said, let us make man in our own image. And the scripture says he upholds all things by the word of his power. You know why you're breathing right now? The will of Jesus Christ. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He is Lord. He's the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. Do you know all you'll ever see of God is the man, Christ Jesus? He said, he that has seen me hath seen the Father. He's the brightness of God's glory. The express image of his person when he had by himself purged. Our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Colossians 1.15 says he's the image of the invisible God. Now, the issue is not, is Jesus of Nazareth a man? We know he's a man. He had a particular birth date. 
He lived so many years, right down to the exact second. And he died at a particular point in time like every man will. He's the second Adam, just as much a man as you and I. Look in John chapter 4, verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey. He had all the physical limitations that you and I do as a man. He became flesh. Now, he never sinned, but he had all the limitations that you and I do. The issue is not, is he a man? But this man is the God of glory, the uncreated creator, the only Savior of sinners. Now listen to this. If Jesus Christ is not eternal God, if Jesus Christ is not the creator, he's the biggest phony, he's the biggest imposter to ever live. And this book we call the Bible is a worthless book of no more value than Shakespeare. If he is not God. Jesus Christ is God. He it is who must needs go through Samaria. And we've already seen where he said, I must be about my father's business. This is his father's business. That is why he must needs go through Samaria. You see, one of his elect was there. Someone that he chose before time began to be saved. He must needs go through Samaria. One of his sheep was in Samaria. One that he came to live for. One that he came to die for. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. It's absolutely binding for me to bring. I must bring them. And there shall be one fold. And one shepherd. He said in that same chapter in John chapter 8. To a group of people that did not believe. He said, you believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said to you, he didn't say you're not my sheep because you don't believe. He said, you don't believe because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep, hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall Never perish. He must need to go through Samaria because that woman at the well was there. I love to think of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He had no interest in God. He was a sinful man. 
But something happened to him to where all of a sudden he sought to see Jesus who he was. Now there was a time when he didn't care. He does now. Why? Because he must need to go through Samaria. Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus, who he was. But the scripture says he could not, for he was little of stature. Uh, he was trying to look over the crowd and he couldn't do it. And you know, when you find out, when you say, seek to see Jesus, who he is, first thing you find out is that you can't do it. You can't see him. You don't know. But you know what this man did? I love the way the scripture points out that he ran ahead of the crowd and he climbed up into a sycamore tree so he could see the Savior pass that way because he, he wanted to, maybe he just wanted to know what he looked like, what he was like. He sought to see Jesus, who he was. He's up there in that tree. The Lord passes by and he stops and looks up in that tree and says, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down. For today... I must abide at thy house. It is binding upon me. It is absolutely necessary for me to abide at thy house. And listen, that wasn't just for the day. That means forever after that. I must abide at thy house. You know, one of the things I love about um, If you belong to the Lord, he's going to have you. <laughs> I must abide at thy house. And he went on to say, to this day salvation has come to this house. Inasmuch as he also is a son of Abraham. That's every true believer of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to say, he's a son of Abraham for... The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He must needs go through Samaria. In Luke chapter 4 verse 43, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God in other cities. They wanted him to stay there and I understand that. I, I, uh, I wouldn't want him, if he was here he is here. I sure don't want him leaving. But these people begged him physically, don't leave here. He said, I must. It's necessary for me. It's binding upon me to preach the kingdom of God in other cities. For therefore am I sent, and I pray he's preaching his gospel to somebody here this morning. You know, it won't do anybody any good if my voice is the only voice you hear. You'll leave uninfluenced. But if he speaks, he must needs go through Samaria. And I hope somebody may be wondering, well, what is the gospel he preached? Well, let's stay with this thing. Turn to Luke chapter 24 of what he must needs do. Luke chapter 24. This is after his resurrection, and he says in verse 44, And he said unto them, 
This one who must needs go through Samaria. This one who is God. The God-man. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. It's binding that they be fulfilled. The same word, must needs be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now he tells them it was necessary. I told you this while I lived. And now I've been raised from the dead. But you know, at least three or four times, he told his disciples, I'm going to be crucified. Three days later, I'm going to be raised from the dead. Of the 12, how many of them were there waiting? Not a one of them. Not a one of them. And you know, even his enemies knew that he made this promise. Uh, we read in Matthew chapter 24, where the Pharisees said, This deceiver said, while I was yet alive, after three days I'll rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people that he's risen from the dead and the last error shall be worse than the first. I mean, even his enemies knew he made that promise. And they wanted to keep his grave secure. But the disciples were not there, were they? There was a woman named Mary Magdalene who was there. But none of the courageous disciples were there. Look in chapter 22 of Luke. Verse 37. This is right before his crucifixion. Verse 37. For I say unto you, that this is writ that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. Now, before I quote it, look at the emphasis he puts on the scriptures. It's written. If we don't have a written revelation from God, all we have is my opinion and your opinion. What good is that going to do anybody? But thank God we have a written revelation from God. And I know that, I remember I'd always think, well, how can you know? Uh, it's, uh, that seems so, how do you believe something like that? Well, if God can create the universe from nothing, he can inspire men to write a book and keep it pure. The Bible. What we think of God is seen by what we think of the Bible. For I say unto you that thus that, that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors. That's a quotation from Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. For he was reckoned among the transgressors. Now, that means he was numbered and counted as a transgressor. That's why he died. Now, in his life, he's the only man to never sin. He's the only 
holy man to ever live. As a matter of fact, he couldn't sin. You know, it was impossible for him to tell a lie. It was impossible for him to have an unclean or an impure thought. It was impossible for him to have a bad motive. He never sinned. I love to think of that. He never sinned. Yet, he was nailed to a cross and numbered as a transgressor. Why? He bore my sin. My sin became his sin. Not only did he bear the punishment of my sin, he bore the sin itself. He bare our sins in his own body on the tree. That horrible thing. Now, why do you think he sweat great drops of blood in Gethsemane before he went to the cross because he knew he was going to drink that cup and drink my sins into his own body on the tree. No, he never sinned. Even when he bore my sin, he never sinned. But this is worse. He was made sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Lord said, it's written and it must be. He was numbered with the transgressors. Now turn back to Luke 24. Verse 44. And he said unto them, this is after his resurrection, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. You know when you and I will Understand the scriptures when he opens our understanding. And not before then. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. You know, when the Lord opened your understanding that you might understand the scripture, this book becomes a new book. And it's got only one subject. Jesus Christ and him crucified. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, there we go again, Thus it is written, that's the authority, Thus it is written, And thus it behooved Christ, Now that word behooved is the same word translated must needs. It is necessary. And look what it says. This is the gospel. Thus it's written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. It was necessary. 
It was necessary for Christ to suffer. Now, why was it necessary for Jesus Christ to suffer? Because it's the purpose of God to send his son to die on a cross and suffer. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, he's called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And God created the universe for the lamb to come and be slain. This is the very eternal purpose of God. That's why it must be. What God wills must come to pass. For God to will something and it not come to pass would be he's not all powerful. That's never going to happen. He must suffer because this is God's eternal purpose to manifest himself. You know why he must suffer? He must suffer because he's guilty. Listen, when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, it was not the innocent being punished. God would never punish someone who is innocent. The sins of God's elect literally Became his sins. My sin became his sin. He owned it as his own. The soul that sins shall surely die. As my substitute, he took my sin and my sorrow and he made it his very own. Why did he suffer? Because the wages of sin is death. And he bore my sin in his own body on the tree. Why did he suffer? Because he bore my sin. Now, why was it necessary for him to be raised from the dead? He said in verse 46, it behooved or it was necessary for Christ to suffer And it was also necessary for Christ to rise from the dead. Do you know the same reasons that he had to suffer are the same reasons why he had to rise from the dead? First of all, he had to rise from the dead because that's God's eternal purpose. The Lord did not purpose for him to stay dead. The lamb having been slain from the foundation of the world is also the lamb having been raised from the foundation of the world. And he had to come in time both to die and to be raised from the dead. This is God's eternal purpose. You know, I love it when um, he says with regard to going to the cross. He said, what shall I say? He said, now is my soul troubled. And who knows what the trouble he experienced. He said, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this hour. He came to die and he came to be raised from the dead. Now he was raised from the dead because it was God's eternal purpose. 
And he was raised from the dead just as Christ died because he was guilty. The justice of God demanded his death. He was raised from the dead because of the justice of God. The justice of God demanded his resurrection. You see, when he died, this is the reason, this is a difficult thing to think about, but the reason hell is eternal because there's never any satisfaction made for sin. Uh, if you suffer 10 million years, it won't pay the cost. It won't, the, the, the grievousness and wickedness of our sin. And the, the best way I would know how to, to ex, ex, illustrate this is you take your child or the person you love the most. If somebody murdered them brutally, wickedly, maliciously, and then said, here's $10 million, will that pay? No. No. Well, here's a billion dollars. Will that make up? No. No. You'll never be satisfied. And that's why hell is eternal. But when Jesus Christ died, something took place that could never take place by my death or your death. He made complete satisfaction to God. The sin was paid for. Christ paid the debt. God says, I can ask for nothing else. It's all been paid. And the very justice of God demanded his resurrection and the resurrection of everybody in him. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. He was raised from the dead that the scriptures might be fulfilled. I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 4. I've got a couple of scriptures I want to look at in closing. Acts chapter 4. Now, this took place right after the great sermon on the day of Pentecost. And there must have been a buzz in Jerusalem. Everybody at least knew or heard that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. And then they saw Peter heal this man who was born lame. And Peter says, rise up and walk. And he stood up and leaped and walked. Now, verse chapter 4, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now evil, eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent, powerless man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, 
Even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must. It is absolutely necessary that we be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. One last scripture. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, if you would want to know, probably in the Bible, the most formal formal, uh, declaration of what the gospel is, you do well to turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and study it. Uh, He begins this chapter, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. And there is a conjunction before every verse telling us really that the thought is not over until the 24th verse. There's a conjunction adding every thought, building one upon the other. And if you would want to know what the gospel is, read 1 Corinthians 15. What a blessed uh, passage of scripture it is. That's where he says, I delivered unto you, verse 3, first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, look in verse 24. Then cometh the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign. It is absolutely necessary that he reign. You see, Jesus Christ is the Lord. And he must reign. Till he hath put all enemies under his He must reign. He reigned in creation when he spake the world into existence. He reigns right now in providence. He's the first cause behind everything. He's everybody's Lord, whether they know it or not. He's Lord. And he reigns in salvation. That means he does it. And beloved, he reigns in heaven. And heaven will be beholding his glory 
and his reign. He must, needs, go through Samaria. Aren't you thankful? Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would, as you went to that woman in Samaria, we ask that you would come to us, reveal yourself to us, reveal to us who you are. Lord, we will not know who you are unless you're pleased to reveal yourself to us. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us by your almighty, irresistible, invincible grace. We're so thankful that your grace saves, that it doesn't offer salvation and leave it up to us, but your grace saves. Lord, Move in our midst for Christ's sake. In his name we pray. Amen. Dwayne.